Welcome back to What Happens Next. I'm Dr. Susan Carland. In this episode, we'll be looking at the impact of new policies that will reduce immigration. What happens if we reduce the diversity of our communities? What would we lose? Do we need to worry about a dropping birth rate? Our experts have all the answers. Hi, my name is Sharon Pickering. I'm a professor of criminology at Monash University. I want to start by asking you if you think Australia is uncomfortable with diversity. I think that Australia has somewhat of a Janus face in relation to diversity. I think there are parts of Australia that feel deeply enriched and deeply comfortable and that we want to be able to talk about that and celebrate it and build on it for all the excellence and wonder that it brings. And then at other times, we don't want to engage with it. We don't want to think about it. And it brings us a level of discomfort. And I think that uh, we would like to believe that that's becoming less and less. But what we find is in moments of, often in moments of crisis, we actually have to ask, actually, is that diminishing? Mm. Uh, is that, you know, perhaps creeping back or is that uh, presenting itself in ways that we had not been paying attention to? So what do you think migration's done for Australia? The, the first thing it's done is it's put us, I think, at the moment into a deep point of crisis in relation to our relationship uh, with Indigenous Australians and First Nations people. So I think the first thing I would say is that, you know, that that really foundational story about a modern Australia sits on an unresolved understanding of what happened in that what happened in that migration. But if you then look, if you if you chart forward from from that very 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 difficult start, you know, there, there's not a part of Australian life that hasn't been shaped at an individual level across our communities and across the way, you know, we we live and we live and work. And I think what's really interesting is that we go through parts of our lives thinking that we know what migration looks like. But what we find is relatively quickly we kind of look in the rearview mirror and we go, wow, actually it was more than that. It meant a lot more to us as a, you know, as a nation. But then, you know, I think what we often fail to recognise is the migrations of the moment. You know, right now with our borders closed, we are really having to face up to how interdependent our lives are with the contours of migration. When we see shops shut, yes, that's about a big thing called the pandemic, but where I live, I live quite close to a university campus. Every fourth shop is shut mm. on that street because we don't have our international students. We don't have the richness they bring. We don't have the commerce mm. that they bring. We also don't have their labour in many of the places that were, um, you know, the restaurants, the bars, the cafes, but all kinds of different places there. And I think, you know, had you have asked that question 18 months ago, would I have given you a reference about the, the little shopping strip that's 30 metres from my front door? No, because I would have attended to a notion of migration that was about all oh, the big cosmopolitan CBD. Actually, it's about our suburbs. It's about our small towns and recognising migration right now, right around us. How does that make us who we are? Unfortunately, I think we often only see it once it's passed or once we miss it. 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Wicks. I'm the director of the Monash Migration and Inclusion Centre at Monash University. Rebecca, what's wrong with how we're thinking about migration in Australia at the moment? I think migration is one of the greatest gifts Australia has um, in terms of the economic contribution that migration makes um, and in terms to the social contributions and the diversity that migration brings. So to think that migration is something we should be narrowing, um, reducing, stopping is really, a, it's, a, it's a silly proposition in many respects because we're so entirely dependent on it and we require it for all aspects of our, of our livelihood. Migration is critical. It's central to who we are. So what could happen if we continue down this path with our reduced migration, we couple that with our declining birth rate, we're losing workers in key areas. What could Australia look like if we keep going in this direction? I think we'll lack the innovation that has really characterized Australia for the last several decades in particular. Um, I think we'll look narrow. I think we'll look beige. I, I think that we will lack the, the luster and the cosmopolitanism that I think diversity brings, especially to our larger cities. We would lose so much innovation and curiosity and creativity. One of the things I think that makes Australia so unique, I mean, we are one of the most diverse countries in the world, is that diversity brings new ways of thinking about how to be, how to build, um, how to create, how to develop products, how to market products. Across the range of all of our experiences, diversity, I think, just breeds so much innovation and curiosity. And without that, I think we will be lesser. How do you think our relationship with the rest of the world might change with this reduction in immigration numbers? When, if, if we're thinking about what would reduced skilled migration look like, well, that would hurt us tremendously. If we're thinking about what would um, reduced refugee intake look like, well, that probably wouldn't hurt the economy so much, but it would change who we are as a compassionate people. And I think it would make us look like a populist nation who doesn't really care about what's happening in other parts of the globe. So being a signatory to the UN, um, we absolutely should continue to receive those migrants. And I think that those are the numbers that have been reduced as a consequence of COVID-19. And in fact, I think that over time we see refugees making such an incredible contribution, um, especially as entrepreneurs uh, to Australian society. I hope that we'll be reversing that. Claudio Labanca is an economist who studies the impact of immigration on the labour market. You might be surprised by some of his findings. Let's hear from Claudio. Claudio Labanca, welcome to the show. Thank you, Susan. You do a lot of research into migration and labour markets, the effect of migration on labour markets. Tell us what are some of the most interesting things you've discovered recently when you look at the, the, the interface of those two factors? I think there are two main facts uh, which researchers uh, in this topic tend to agree on. The first one is that migration does not have equal impact on all workers in the labour markets. There are some workers which are more, um, um, that tend to be more impacted by migration, and those are workers which we usually call low-skilled workers. Uh, and what I mean by low-skilled workers are workers who usually have a low level of education and tend to work in those occupations which do not require specialized uh, 
uh, knowledge. These workers tend to be, uh, in, in some settings, uh, negatively affected in terms of employment opportunities and wages by migration. On the other end, we have high-skilled workers, and those are workers who are highly educated and tend to work in, in um, um, occupations that require more specialized knowledge. These workers tend to be either not affected by uh, migration at all, or they tend to be positively affected. And, and these positive effects usually come from the fact, from what we call in labor economics, complementarity in production, meaning that for pro to produce a certain good, you might need different types of labor. And if immigrants provide a certain type of labor and high-skilled natives provide other type of labor, then they can complement each other. Uh, the second fact is that even for those workers for which we observe negative effect on migration, so what I mean by workers here are native uh, workers, so oh, native-born workers, um, even for those uh, workers, these effects tend to last only for a relatively short time period. They tend to dissipate over time. So it sounds like one of the things you're saying is that that old trope that the immigrants are coming and taking our jobs is actually true in the short term for low-skilled jobs. That's uh, not always the case, but that's what uh, many studies uh, indeed uh, find. And these effects are localized some specific type of, of workers, and that they uh, do not tend to last for long. Given Australia is in the relatively unique position of being able to pretty tightly control its, uh, its immigration in, from an economic point of view, are high levels of immigration a good idea? We need to differentiate between types of migration. So there is also there, there is what we call high-skilled migration, and low-skill migration. Uh, now, as countries keep growing uh, and develop, and Australia is a well-developed country, um, uh, the demand for certain specific type of jobs, those highly specialized, uh, keeps growing. And sometimes the internal supply of these jobs, okay, so the number of people who can actually perform those jobs is not high enough to meet that uh, demand. And therefore, we need uh, certain types of jobs from abroad. So uh, it, when we talk about uh, increasing migration, we need to think really what type of migration uh, we might want to increase, also in light of, of the, the overall demand and supply. idea of fear, people have a lot of uh, personal fears about migration, one being this idea that migrants take our jobs. Mm. Is there any truth to that idea? No. So most of the bulk of research that's been carried out in Australia and around the world has largely disputed that myth. And of course, that myth has come heavily out of the out of the US. Mm. And in fact, there's a huge body of evidence that shows quite the reverse, that if you stop migration, entire industries um, will grind to a halt. And in fact, uh, you know, a, a, just an amazing... Uh, theoretician and contemporary thinker, Zaskia Zassin, you know, always ran the thesis and was able to, to show all the evidence to support it. The US just stopped migration full stop. They just stopped migration. And here particularly she was talking about migration from Mexico and Latin America. She said basically the United States would stop. Okay. And that is similar to what they find in, in most uh, places around the world. Okay. So... What's really interesting about this pandemic, it's giving us a line of sight on things that we suspected previously. Actually, 
We're really dependent on the contributions that migrants make across a whole range of sectors. I mean, if you think about the university sector, global universities need to draw on the global talent pool to be the best they can be, to innovate, to specialise in areas that will have the big breakthroughs. We can't do that if we're completely cut off, if that migration, that skilled migration, you know, cannot occur. You've seen they've made particular arrangements for temporary seasonal workers to come in mm. simply to make sure that crops get picked. Now, if migrants were taking Australia's jobs, we wouldn't be seeing this tightening mm. around hospitality and tourism. We would not be seeing the, the special arrangements being put in place in order to be able to harvest the fruit bowls of Australia. We wouldn't be seeing the kinds of fear in the eyes of top performing companies who are concerned they're not going to be able to attract the global talent for Australia to be home to places like the leading firms, the leading universities. And so I think we're actually living this at the moment. And I think often in areas like this, the more we can show rather than tell the community, the more convincing that we're going to be. Hi, I'm Marie Seagrave. I'm a researcher at Monash with the Monash Gender and Family Violence Prevention Centre and the Monash Migration and Inclusion Centre. Marie Seagrave, welcome. Thank you. What do you think is wrong or not working about the way Australia is thinking about migration? I think there tends to be a focus on what people can do for us. <laughs> um, so there's absolutely a lot of incentive around encouraging people to come who can bring significant wealth, um, who can come to Australia and perform Services for us be labour in, in, in Australia without any pathway to permanency. You know, the seasonal visa is created so that you only ever come and go. Your family can't come. You can never stay. You're never on a pathway to permanency. Um, all of those kinds of visas are, are driven to extract things from people but not to offer very much. And I think um, this is going to be something that we need to pay pretty careful attention to because conversations around population are, are driven by the need for us to encourage people to come to Australia. And Australia, on the one hand, is not a very welcoming place. When we think about visa, visa and migration policy and regulation, some of our attitudes, the ways that we treat asylum seekers, all of those things send very bad messages. Um, but I think on the other hand, there's a very different experience for people in communities. And so I think um, we do have the ability and the openness to encourage people to come and be a part of our the diversity of our cities and our towns and we benefit from that. I think we only see benefit from that actually in the everyday but there's an effort to try to control and limit that. And often I think in the space where I work around temporary migration, whether it's to do with people who have been exploited, whether it's trafficking or labour exploitation or domestic and family violence, there's often a view that the only way to respond to that is to make it difficult for people to come forward as victims because we're suspicious that people will falsely claim in order to remain in Australia. And I think that is a fundamental problem. Whether we're talking about modern slavery or we're talking about domestic and family violence, our response should be that this kind of exploitation and abuse shouldn't happen. 
People will always falsely claim, you know, whether it's a green card, you know, marriage of convenience, those things happen, but you can actually identify them. I think you can create positive systems that pick up on those things later, as opposed to creating very high bars to be able to access support, which is undoing our commitments to ending abuse and exploitation. They totally undermine those commitments. And if Australia continues down that path, if we can continue having that sort of attitude towards any type of migration into Australia, what do we lose? What happens? Well, I think we continue to lose the value of constantly having new people and new ideas and diversity of experience. I, I think that one of the challenges we have, if we look at the leadership of our countries, there's not a significant amount of diversity of, of experience, of knowledge of various cultures. In many ways, I think COVID has exposed to us in, in quite a safe way for some of us, what it is to have your to life totally disrupted, um, to have everything that you knew uh, taken away from you, that, that your life as it was is gone. And that's not really the experience of people who become refugees, but in a small way, it's similar that you've, everything is gone. You still have your home, of course, you're not being made to move, but there's just total disruption to how you lived your life and your expectations of what's next. Criminologist Rebecca Wicks explains why social inclusion is so important and the impact on all of us if we reduce the diversity of our communities. The community can do more. The community wants to do more. When you speak to communities all around Australia, especially communities that are wanting to increase their population, they, they want humanitarian migrants. They want refugees. They want skilled workers. They want them to come into the regions. They need them. And so there is demand for that. And I feel that it's we're, we're missing a we're missing a significant opportunity one to be a good and decent nation and to do the right thing for people who are less fortunate than ourselves, but we're also missing opportunities for growth, development, and innovation in so doing. Because we are currently the highest rate of uh, displaced people in the world ever. Is that right? I yeah, absolutely. And we've been moving in that direction for some time. And I think as we start to see the manifestation of climate change and as we see the manifestation of populist politics in Western nations in particular, we'll see that that displacement will only grow. And I really hope that Australia won't be part of that rhetoric and that we'll actually be a nation that will warmly receive people um, and provide them with a, a chance for a better life. Rebecca Wicks, thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure to see you, Susan. That's it for this episode. We'll see you next time on What Happens Next to find the good stuff that's happening to make our communities more inclusive and diverse. And there's plenty of it. I'll catch you next time on What Happens Next. <laughs>